0: The young soldiers fret and worry about the bullet that has their number on it. But it doesn't bother the old soldiers at all. They can feel fatalistic about and resign to the bullet that has their number. The one that really worries them is the bullet that's labeled to whom it may concern.
1: Don't come near me.
0: Rebecca, what are you saying? Keep away. But, but I love you.
1: Leave here. No. no.
0: But we're going to get
1: married. Go away before I cause something terrible to happen. Oh,
0: darling, how can you cause something terrible? Believe
1: to... me, it will be horrible. A fire. Rebecca. A flood. What are you saying? An earthquake. Listen. Listen.
0: mystery drama, To Whom It May Concern, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan, and stars Marion Seldes and Ian Martin. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Something beautiful and vital has gone out of our lives. The ability to just sit back and relax. The difference between us and the generations that preceded ours is that we have learned how to save time, whereas they knew how to enjoy it. They had time, time for everything. And this is the story of a man who lived back then, when there was time, just before World War I. Come with me now to the New York club of Dr. Adams Mandeville. A place of fine old wine, mellow cigars, gleaming crystals, and easy conversation on a May evening in the year 1915. Uh, Hello there, Dr. Mandeville. Oh, good evening, Mr. Forbes. Mind if I join you? <laughs> Please. We see so little of you here at the club these days. And I'm afraid you shall see even less. I'm off to London. London? Oh, you can't be serious. Yes. There's a <laughs> the war. Well, we're not involved. Uh, not yet. Nor do I think we ever will be. And in any event, I must go to London. May I ask why? Well, we're having the International Conference on Psychiatry. It's delving uh, into the mind. Tricky business, no? Because it, well, uh, can it it help your patients? Well, I don't know how much it helps my patients, but I know it's helped me. Help you? (laughs) How? Let me put it this way. It's going to help me. It's going to save my life. How can you tell it's going to save your life? Do you believe in the angel of death? The angel of death? Yes. Well, I suppose, uh, figuratively speaking, in a way, uh, we might assume... That was uh, the first question she asked me when she entered my office. She? Mrs. Rebecca Orne. A widow. Most beautiful woman. Well, when I say woman, I mean... I mean a woman of almost 40, when the fair sex are in the glorious August of their beauty. A fully realized woman. Well, Well, I must say doesn't sound like a doctor speaking. Well, doctors are also men. It was a month ago. She made an appointment to see me on the telephone, and when she sat down in my office, her very first question... Dr. Mansell
1: do you believe there is an angel of death?
0: Why? Why do you ask?
1: I understand you are one of those new doctors, that the mind... The angel of death, is he real, or is he a figment, a, a creation of my own? Mrs. Orn, I know
0: of no scientific evidence that can account for the existence of an angel of death, or
1: of life, or of any angel, for that matter. Nor well, is anyone else such evidence, except perhaps myself. And
0: what is your evidence, may I ask?
1: An awareness of his presence. Ah, uh-huh. What sort of
0: awareness?
1: Feeling that I'm not alone.
0: Awareness? Feeling? But is there anything tangible? Tangible enough to me? The word tangible literally means something that can be
1: touched. I know. And I feel his touch. Where? Uh, this may sound indelicate. I feel it touch all over my body. Yes. It feels as if I was suddenly chilled by an icy wind, and my skin seems to burn. It sounds contradictory, I know. Ice and fire. No, no,
0: no. Please continue, Mrs.
1: And I feel as if my hand is being taken. Taken. Taken in someone's grasp. You feel a hand. The fingers of a hand close on mine. And you see? No one. Nothing.
0: But you feel these fingers? Yes. And how do they feel for to the touch?
1: Well, again, fire and ice. <laughs> Burning fire and cold, cold ice. The icy coldness of death.
0: And then what happens?
1: The fingers of the hand, the hand that has closed over mine, it, it seems to hold me in its firm grasp and it begins to pull me. I, I cannot. I have no will to resist.
0: And um, then? Um.
1: And then the ice becomes warmer. And the fire becomes cooler, and the fingers of the hands that is holding mine seem to slacken their grip and slip away from me. And suddenly, I feel his presence no longer. He's gone. You, uh, you're
0: quite sure of all this? Stuff.
1: Oh, yes. It's exactly the same way. Each time.
0: Oh, then this has happened several times.
1: Oh, yes. How many? Oh, innumerable. Uh, I have a theory. Would you like to hear it? Oh, yes, please. He wants
0: me. Well, you might say if he exists, he wants all of us. When our time comes.
1: But I think my time has already come. Uh, I'm
0: afraid I don't understand.
1: And that he was unable to take me at that time. And since I escaped him, he must keep out to me. And it becomes more and more difficult for him each time. And so he tries harder and harder. <laughs> and, and yes, Mr. Holmes, <laughs> I've never been able to say so much to any doctor. Most of them would give me pills for my nerves long, long before I could get this far. Yes,
0: I promise to hear you out.
1: Well, it's about all. Except that they keep getting worse and worse. What keeps getting worse and worse? A disaster. So many people die. And it's because of me. He doesn't really want them. He wants me. And the reason they die is because they just uh, happened to be
0: there.
1: Yes? Why do you say yes? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you really understand what I'm saying? Mrs. Owen,
0: did you have a happy childhood?
1: Why do you ask?
0: Oh, well, in psychiatry we begin with the child.
1: Well, that makes sense. Yes. Well, it all began with my childhood. That was when he first came for me.
0: When who came for you?
1: Well, who have we been talking about? The, the angel of death. Oh, yes, of course. And, and that's when I felt his grasp for the first time. It happened when I was five years old. We were living in Johnstown, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Johnstown, Pennsylvania? That name seems familiar. I'll never forget. I was in the kitchen of our house. We had a farm, a big farm, about 500 acres. And I remember there was an argument. Mom and Papa were having a fight. It was about the South Fork Fishing and Hunting Club. These were the very wealthy men who owned the property where the dam was located. Now, Mama, be reasonable. Be reasonable? Have you lost your mind? No, I haven't lost my mind. What's more, it's a found hundred dollars. Well, I don't want that money. Uh, You post the no hunting sign this year like every other year. Mama, Mama, it's just for ten days, and the only ones who will be allowed to hunt are members of the club. Look, I won't have people tramping all up and down the property, firing off guns every which way. Mama, these are all millionaires, rich men. They
0: have a lot of respect for private property. And they know how to hunt very good, too. Don't they
1: have all that property of their own around the dam?
0: Wait, you know that over by the South Forty is where all the deer trails cross?
1: Here, in another thing. I'm against killing poor, dumb animals. And so am I. But for $100... Now, what about Rebecca? Uh, Rebecca? She goes running around the woods all the time. There was all them hunters
0: shooting away. Well, so for the next ten days, you gotta keep her in the house. How can I keep the child cooped up all day? A hundred dollars. You
1: better find a way to do it. Mother couldn't. Although she laid down the law in no uncertain terms, I was a restless child, filled with unlimited energy. I couldn't sit still. I always wanted to be where I wasn't. And so, one afternoon, when Mama stretched out for her nap, I was just out the door, running through the woods, happy the way only a child can be. And I heard a voice suddenly shout, Look out, But the voice was too late. There was a noise and a flash. And a dull blow against my chest. That was the first time I felt the icy cold. And burning hot fingers closed about my hand. And the gentle pull that urged me forward. And I heard a voice. Hey, good Lord, Andy, you killed her. Look at the
0: blood. The bullet went right through her chest, through her heart. Oh, she must be dead.
1: I was dead. At least I, thought I was dead. I should have been dead. The angel of death had come for me. But suddenly, the fingers that grasped my hand loosened their grip. The ice became warm. The fire cool, And I just slipped away from him. Or he from me. And I was free. You
0: uh, were
1: shot through the heart? Yes. Did the bullet have missed? No, but surely the doctors came from miles around. The best doctors, the club sorted that. They were amazed. Well,
0: how did they
1: They didn't. Those doctors couldn't. They said perhaps the bullet broke as it hit my chest, and just a small piece of it penetrated my heart. Perhaps the tissue was able to repair itself. But really, they were only guessing. I was shot through the heart. That much is certain.
0: And you lived.
1: That much is obvious. I lived through other things, too. I was bitten by a copperhead a year or two later. Well, people do survive snake bites. Oh, rattlesnake bites sometimes. But very few folks are ever actually bitten by copperheads. And those that are. You're very lucky.
0: Very imaginative. You know, you're a charming lady, Mrs. Holmes. May I ask why you have. Never remarried? Right. Of marriage?
1: I believe I told you. The angel of death is so intent on capturing me that those around me are always in danger.
0: Now you're sitting here in my office. Am I in danger now?
1: Yes, Doctor.
0: How? Oh. I don't know. Is it the building, might collapse. It's not likely. It's a new building constructed of steel and stone.
1: There might be an earthquake.
0: There never have been any here in the
1: East. Or a flood. Well, hardly. Well, there was a flood once. That's right, it was 26 years ago. When I told you I came from Johnstown, Pennsylvania, you said the name seemed familiar. Do you remember why now? Yes, of course. The flood, the famous flood. The Johnstown flood. Were you there at the time? Yes. And, and you lived through it? Yes, I lived through it. Unfortunately.
0: Well, why do you say unfortunately? Because
1: it wasn't fair that I should survive. I really deserve to die. I caused the flood, Doctor. I'm the one to blame for the Johnstown flood.
0: The Johnstown Flood, May 31st, 1889. The dam across the Connemore River had become obsolete and inadequate. During April and May, 41 inches of rain and snow increased the pressures to the breaking point, and a tidal wave of destruction swept through the valley, killing more than 2,000 people. This is the historical fact. Now. If Mrs. Rebecca Owens has other information, we owe her the courtesy of a hearing in Act Two. Well, here we are at the very beginning of May, 1915. Remember that date. It will be significant. In the exclusive New York club of Dr. Adams Mandeville... Dr. Mandeville is having a very serious conversation with an old friend, Mr. Hector Forbes, the renowned anthropologist. Mr. Forbes is having difficulty believing what Dr. Mandeville is telling him. My dear Mandeville, I remember the Johnstown flood. There are people who can be held responsible, but surely your patient is uh, Mrs. Rebecca Hoyle. No, she couldn't be one of them. But according to her story... She mentions the South Fork Fishing and Hunting Club. Now, it was a group of millionaires who had bought land from the state. The dam was located on their property. They refused to spend money for any repairs, and the people of Johnstown didn't believe that there was any real danger either. So there's blame enough and despair for everyone. And yet, when she talks, you can believe anything she tells you. You you believe anything she says. (laughs) You uh, haven't fallen for this lady, have you? As a matter of fact, I... Well, uh, I'll get to that. I tell you this story because I have a very important question I want to ask you. Fire away. Oh, you'll have to hear the rest of the story. Oh, yes, yes. Especially why she thinks she's to blame for the Johnstown flood. That's what I asked her.
1: The flood was on my account. But why? It was the only way the angel of death could get me. A bullet failed. The bite of a poisonous snake failed. And here was a way that couldn't fail. Or so it seemed. Oh, poor Phil. Till... Dumont, till my, my first bow. I was 15 and I was in love. The way you can be in love when you're 15... We were out walking. It was the last day of May. Beautiful afternoon. What time is it, felt Uh, ten minutes
0: after four. Why?
1: I would like this moment to last forever. This is the supreme moment. This is the happiest moment of my life.
0: Of mine, too.
1: Everything's so, so perfect. What's that? Uh... Thunder, most likely. Thunder doesn't sound like that. Sure it does. No, well, it doesn't. You hear a loud peal of thunder and then it fades and then you hear another. Yang louder. Uh, Rebecca, look. No,
0: Bill. No. It's a wave. It's water. It's higher as a higher than
1: It's coming in us, Run, 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 run. run, run. run the burning cannon is I The angel of death is holding me! He's holding me! He's holding me. Me. me, Bill! You know, An enormous mountain of water traveling at breakneck speed was sweeping everything in its path. Rocks, trees, animals, houses. Nothing could live that stood in its path, but somehow I lived. I don't know why. I don't know how. I was surrounded by hundreds of the dead. But I survived. Once again, the fire became cold and the ice, warm, and his fingers fell away. Why?
0: I, um, I don't know. Poor Phil.
1: He was with me. And more than 2,000 of us. Was it my fault? Oh, of course not. And how do you explain? The fire. The
0: fire? The
1: fire in Chicago. That was only 12 years ago. That dreadful conflagration of the Iroquois together. Oh, yes, of course I remember that. We'd moved to Chicago. Mama and Papa had survived the flood only because they'd gone to Pittsburgh to visit my grandmother. So there was nothing left for us in Johnstown, and Papa was offered a job at Chicago. It didn't matter to me. After the flood, I was like one in a dream. I just stayed in the house, in my room. I went nowhere. I no one. Oh, Papa, you must do something about that girl. Me? She won't listen to me. won't oh, take
0: her to a doctor.
1: Oh, hasn't she seen enough doctors? Well, oh, what do you want? She'll be 28 years old. Uh, Maybe it 30. That's oh, even worse. She'll spend the rest of her life this way. An old maid. Uh,
0: some girls, they don't get married. It's, it's their fate.
1: Well, it's not going to be her fate.
0: You have to fight it. Get your coat and hat, young lady. You can't shut out the world forever. We're going to the theater. I don't
1: want to.
0: You know why? Because it's medicine. The pills you get from the doctors don't help. So I know another kind of doctor. His name is Eddie Foy. And his cure is a good laugh. But
1: I'm, I'm not in the mood. I...
0: You're going to turn down a chance to see Eddie Foy and Mr. Boobie? And... <laughs> you know how hard it was to get tickets? Please, Papa. I... No, 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 no. Up,
1: up, out. Oh. He was right. The minute I stepped into that theater, a great weight seemed to disappear from my heart. I felt useful and careful. for the music, the dances, the jokes. I was laughing and applauding. And then suddenly, in the very midst of it, at the very height of it, I felt the fingers of my arms. The icy fingers. The burning fingers. And I said, no. What do you want with me now? What will you do to me here? Please. And then... I heard the most dreadful cry in the world in the theater. Fire! Fire! For oh, oh, oh. almost a second, there was a death stillness, And then there was a panic. More than 2,000 of well-dressed, civilized people were transformed into raging, mindless, stampeding animals. And when it was over, oh, finally... Almost 600 were dead. As I read about it.
0: The fire actually did very little damage, I recall. Most people were trampled to
1: death. Papa died to save me. He saw he couldn't make it to the exit, and so he protected me with his body.
0: I'm sorry.
1: Papa left the world. But I came back to it. Mama became ill, and it was up to me to support us. I learned how to use a typewriter and to write in shorthand. And soon I secured a position as a secretary to a Mr. Walter Owen. He was middle-aged, very proper, but kind, most generous employer. Mama became better, but she was quite sad. I'll have some soup. Mama. You're crying. No, i No, I'm not. Rebecca, I I do want you to have a life of your own. I'm content. But you'll never have a husband. You'll never have children. I don't want anybody close to me. Rebecca, that's not natural. Please, let's not talk about it. But a husband, children, they would make you happy. Yes, Mom. Very happy. But I couldn't make them happy. Why not? Because they die. They die young before their time. What are you saying? Nothing. I don't want to talk about it anymore. It not we who decide our destiny. The ordinary give and take of daily living wears us, shapes us, changes us, and we may not even be aware of it. One morning, Mr. Owen asked me to come into his private office.
0: Miss Randolph, you have been my secretary for five years now. Yes, sir. I have never seen a more devoted, conscientious, and efficient person. Thank you, sir. Uh, I find... Miss Randolph, that I would be lost without you. You are a treasure. Oh, really, Mr. Owen? No, 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 no. A treasure is something that a man must guard securely. If uh, you were a stock or a bond or a bill or a jewel, I would shut you up in a vault, lest you be lost or stolen. I'm not
1: sure I understand. Miss
0: Randolph, will you marry me? Marry? Yes. We could be quite happy together.
1: Oh, but, Mr. Owen, I, 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 I'm not in love
0: with you. Oh, no, 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 we are not children. Love to us is not a sudden intoxicating adventure. We can marry without it.
1: Marry without love? Yes, yeah.
0: marry without love at first. Marry because we respect, admire, and need each other. Now we are both lonely people. I know in my heart this love will come to us.
1: All day at the office he would ask me to marry him. He enlisted Mama's help and then all night at home it was more of the same. Oh, he's handsome, kind, intelligent. Oh, he's devoted to you. And he's rich. Mama, I will not marry him. But why? I could never explain it to you. I will not marry him, and that was my last word. But it wasn't. Little by little, in so many subtle and gradual ways, the pressure, the constant pressure told on me, and suddenly, before I knew it, I was in his arms, saying, Yes, yes. Oh, no, <laughs> Let's go. And so, we were married. It was the events of the social season of 1911. I knew Walter was rich, but I didn't know how rich. He had as much money, as much influence, as much power as the biggest of The Carnegies, the Morgans, the Fricks, the Mellons. They were all there at my wedding. Mr. Andrew Carnegie himself took my hand and wished me well. Kindly looking man. And suddenly... I knew I had seen him before. I heard a voice, the same voice I had heard 38 years before when I was a little girl on my father's farm in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Look out, Andy! Look out! Oh,
0: good Lord, Andy, you killed
1: The South Fork Fishing and Hunting Club, the Millionaire's Club, all these great men were members of that club. And they might have been out hunting the day the dam burst, when I was five years old. Andy, the man who had evoked the warning, the man who had accidentally fired the shot. And... Could he have been Andrew Carnegie? I looked into his eyes. I couldn't tell.
0: My dearest, may I present Mr. Andrew
1: Carnegie? I'm honored, Mr. Carnegie. Oh, such a sweet lass, Walter. She's a
0: treasure. Yes, I think so. Hey, do you know, dear Mrs. Owen, it seems to me you look familiar. Do I, sir? Yeah, I have seen you before. Or is it perhaps an old man's reverie?
1: It's hey, worth
0: Be happy, both of you.
1: You'll be happy. Yes, we have met before on my father's land in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, when I was a little farm girl. But somehow that seemed out of place. And as I looked at Mr. Carnegie and at Walter and at all the other giants, I realized I was no longer afraid of anything. I belonged to one of these men. We went to Europe on our honeymoon. We saw palaces in Italy and castles in Spain. We walked in Vienna, marveled at the Louvre. And finally, I decided to come home. I was so happy.
0: Yes, I can imagine.
1: I was happy, but I was also apprehensive. Why? When I was never really able to free myself completely of my... Here. So I dreaded the trip home. Darling, honey, I know how you feel, but it's... But what, Walter? But this is a
0: brand-new ship. A ship the like of which has never been seen. It's a floating pallet. But still, it's any anything... Most important. They say she's constructed on a completely new principle. There's incontrovertible scientific proof... But she is unthinkable. Oh, Walter. She leaves on Friday on her maiden voyage to New York, and I've already booked passage for
1: her. Oh, how exciting. What's her name? The Titanic.
0: <laughs> on April 15th, 1912, a minute before midnight, the Titanic struck a killer iceberg some 2,000 miles from New York with the loss of some 1,500 lives. Among the casualties, oh no, I shall have to stop this, this business of anticipating the story. We still have a third act. But... Dr. Adams Mandeville, a New York psychiatrist, is at his club talking with his friend Hector Ford. The subject of the discussion is, as you know, his patient, a woman named Mrs. Owen. And what can we say about Mrs. Owen other than she must be the victim of the most extraordinary string of coincidences in history? Are we perhaps not her in some uh, psychic area? Is it possible she is not a human being? No, she's human, completely human. Human and... And lovely, she uh, continued to see me over a several week period. And each time I saw her, I fell more and more deeply in love. Rebecca, darling. Oh
1: please, oh please, please, doctor.
0: Oh, you can't call a man doctor after he calls you, darling. I must leave. You will never return again. Why? Oh.
1: Don't you know why?
0: Oh, it isn't true. Everything you've been telling me about the the angel of death.
1: How can you say that? I felt him. I felt his touch. No, no, You can't convince me. I let poor Walter convince me, and he's dead today.
0: Walter would have died in any event.
1: He died because the angel of death came for me. There is no such being. Oh, you say that to me. To me. I'm 41 years old. And you
0: don't look a day over 25. be serious.
1: And five times in my life. I have felt his presence in my body. Five times. I have felt his hand on my arm. Five times he's held me in his grasp. Yes,
0: yes, I know you've said that. And the
1: last time. The last time was the worst time of all. He was so determined to have me, he destroyed the greatest ship in the world to get me. Oh, I can hear the music. It was such a game
0: wonderful party. I was dancing with Walter. Happy darling? Oh, yes. Yes. See, I told you everything would be all right. I don't
1: know if it's you or the ship, but
0: I feel so, so secure. It's both of us, darling.
1: Nothing but happy and wonderful thoughts from now on. Let me get you a glass of champagne. We walked to the refreshment table and I lost sight of it in the crowd and, and I... I never saw him again, because at that moment I felt the fingers, the icy fingers of the angel, the angel of death, and I screamed. <laughs> the music. Everyone turned to look at me. Was I mad? And then, and then there was the most. Terrible, grinding roar, as if some monstrous animal had ripped the entire bottom out of the boat. The next thing I remember, I was on board the rescue ship Carpathia, But fifteen hundred others had died. and,
0: Walt. and Walter... And Walter had perished.
1: And now you tell me it isn't my fault. Yes. How? All the evidence...
0: All the evidence proved nothing. Oh, listen to me, my darling. Let me tell you what this is. It's the law of averages. Oh, no,
1: that's not good enough. The touch of the angel. of death. It was real. Of course it was real. Then you agree. It was real
0: to you. Oh, my darling Rebecca, we're only now beginning to understand the mind, to comprehend its fantastic complexity. Then why was it real? Because... Because you wanted to be punished. Punished for what? For disobeying your mother. When? That day when you were told not to go into the woods. You remember that day? That day when you were five years old and your mother took you aside and... What was it she said to you over and over again?
1: She She said, you are not to go into the woods. You are not to leave the house. If you disobey, you will be punished. Severely punished. 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 That's right. Punished. Punished.
0: Punished. But you did disobey, didn't you? Yes. And, Rebecca, you were not punished. And then, because you were almost killed, you were rewarded. You were fussed over and coddled and spoiled. Yes. And all the time, you knew that you were to blame. You remember the face of the man who shot you. You could see his agony and his anger. Oh, no, 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 no. This is necessary, dear. You look for death. You seek him out. You court him. You spin fantasies about him. Oh, darling, there is no angel of death except in romantic mystery. But I... Face it. Your whole world will be changed.
1: Oh, I never looked at it that oh, way. Oh, no, my darling. We'll,
0: we'll go to England on our honeymoon.
1: I'd like you to meet Mama.
0: of oh, well, course. Cool.
1: Could you leave now? I bought Mama a house in Austin, up on the Hudson River. Oh, let's tell her, today.
0: Well, certainly. Let's see, it's uh, 10.30 now. I have some hospital calls at maybe 11, so... Uh, I should be free by noon.
1: We can get the train at one o'clock. Meet me on board. I'll be sitting in the last passenger coach.
0: One o'clock on the offening train, the last coach. Yes.
1: It's the only one that isn't a smoker.
0: That was two weeks ago, Forbes. Well, evidently, you made the trip in good shape. I see you're here, and i the worst. Hmm. You don't know what happened two weeks ago on the railroad. You see, I was delayed at the hospital, and when I arrived at the station, the train had already pulled out. Uh, you missed it, yes? Yes, and the train had traveled some 25 miles to a place called Tarrytown when... when there was an accident. Oh, oh no, 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 don't, don't tell me. Yes, some switching instructions had gone wrong, and an express train plunged into the rear of the Austin local. The rear car? It was completely demolished. There were five passengers, four were killed immediately. But the fifth, the better, suffered only from shock and a very few superficial bruises. He
1: had death. He is real. He came to be again. He came looking for me aboard that train. He came for me. I felt his his hands. The
0: fire, the ice. You
1: mustn't make fun of me. What I say is true. Of course it's true. Don't humor me. It is true. Do you mean that? Yes. And the angel of death exists.
0: I'm very much afraid he does. Then it's over. It
1: must be over between us.
0: I love you, and I want to marry you. You must
1: never see me again. I don't want you to die because of me. And I don't
0: want to live without you. Oh, darling.
1: You're a doctor. Be
0: sensible. Oh, I'm in love, so that's impossible. Face reality. Reality is that I love you.
1: Reality is that if you had been with me on that train... You would be dead now. Ah, but I wasn't with you. And next time we won't be
0: so... I dead. wasn't with you on the train. That's it. That's how to do it. No, it won't Yes, work. yes. It's how to reduce the odds. That's how to fight the old boy. That's how to put him in his place.
1: But I feel We can't... must
0: never travel together. We must never board the same boat, the same train. We must never go to crowded places where where disasters can strike. Theaters, restaurants,
1: concerts. But I'd have go anyhow. But you can't shut yourself away.
0: Rebecca, I don't need crowds. I only need you. So we shall live by ourselves, quietly, carefully, in safety.
1: You see? Yes, I see now. And if he comes for me again, let him come for me alone. To a house that will be stoned so it can't burn. Or steel. I and mean, then it can't fall apart. Away from rivers and floods. Away from
0: forests and fires. Now, now. Now will you marry me, Darcy? Yes. Yes. Rebecca and I were married the day before yesterday. <laughs> well, congratulations. Sir. Uh, well, how does it happen you're not off on your honeymoon? Oh, we're going to London, where we shall also take in the conference. I'm leaving tomorrow morning. Well, you're off on a honeymoon, and you say I'm leaving? Well, naturally, separate ships. It's the only way we can travel. <laughs> oh yes, of course, of course. Rebecca sailed this morning on the Imperia, and I had to look around for something at the last moment. Yes, and well, such short notice, you'd be lucky to find a berth on a tramp steamer. <laughs> oh, I did considerably better than that. There was a last-minute cancellation, and I was able to get a cabin on what many people consider the most comfortable ocean liner afloat. Oh, really? <laughs> Which one is that? The Lusitania. The Lusitania. On May 7th, 1915, at approximately 2 p.m., the German killer submarine, the U-20, fired its torpedoes into the Cunard Liner Lusitania. The ship blew up and sank almost immediately. About 2,000 people lost their lives. Among them, an American physician, Dr. Adams Mandeville of New York City. I shall return in just a few moments. The old soldiers, as we told you in the beginning, are worried mostly about the bullet marked to whom it may concern. That's because they know something few of us pause to consider. They realize how unpredictable is fate. How random is chance. How impersonal is providence. How hard it is to live and how easy to die. And if life perplexes and puzzles you, take comfort. No one has been able to figure it out yet. Our cast included Marion Feldy, Ian Martin, Bryna Rayburn, Bob Dryden, and Earl Hammond. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time